Oh! Welcome, everybody! Can you guys give it up for our wonderful cast? Good job, my friends. Oh, oh they're already gone. Um, hey, I said it earlier, my name is Sarah Danes. <laughs> I don't know why, some weeks I cry, some weeks I don't. Man, I am so, 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 so excited that you guys are here at camp. And I'm so excited in just a moment to talk about what it is that we just saw, what we just heard, and then jump into the word of God as we talk about this topic and this theme on truth. And when we live in a world where relative truth reigns, and yet you look at the Bible and you see that Jesus is the only thing that is absolutely true, we're going to talk about that both tonight and this week. So let me pray, let me go before the Lord because I need the Lord's help, and so do you. Father God, we come before you this evening, God. Father, I am so excited for another week of camp, God. I'm humbled to be able to stand here on this stage, God, and have the opportunity and the privilege, Lord, to look at your word. God, I pray for every single friend sitting here in this chapel, God, wherever they're at in their relationship with you. God, if they know you, Father, I pray that this week would be deeply refreshing for them, God, that on Saturday that they would love you more than they do right now, God, and that they would head home to a world that so desperately needs the truth of your word. And God, for those of you who are far from you, who are potentially even mad at you or angry at you, God, I just, Lord, I pray that you do what only you can do, God, and that you would do a work in the hearts of minds of those who are far from you, God, and that this week we would see a miracle as you bring dead sinners back to yourself, God. You alone have the power to make dead things live. And so, God, even tonight as we just begin to scratch the surface on the theme for this week and for this entire summer, God, I pray that you would use me. God, would you speak through me, Lord? God, I need you. I need your help. God, I love you and I praise things in your name. Amen. All right, if you guys have your Bibles, hold them up for me if you have your Bibles. If you brought your Bible to camp, hold it up. Ooh, ooh, nice. Perfect. I like it. This is a camp where we open our Bibles. So if you did not bring a Bible to camp, period, do me a favor. Stand on up where you're at. You guys can walk along the back of the chapel and our lead counselors has a, have a gift for you. They will give you a Bible to keep forever. So you can do that now. You can stand on up to go get those. Now, if you brought a Bible to camp, but you just forgot to bring it to chapel, here's what I would say. Make sure that you bring your Bibles to every single chapel because I never want you guys to just take the person's word for what they're saying, but that you guys would track along with what the speaker is saying this week and be able to see in the word of God where we're going. <clears throat> okay, if you have your Bibles, you guys can open up to Genesis chapter three. It is the very beginning of the Bible, the very first book in the Bible, so you can't miss it. And we're gonna start here because we have a lot of ground to cover this week. This week, your speaker, who you will hear from tomorrow morning for the first time, his name is Nick Eli. You'll hear from him. He is gonna go through the entire book of John with you guys this week, which is awesome. It's the fourth and final gospel in the New Testament. And he has no small task of doing that with you guys. But tonight, what we wanna do is set the stage for what the heck are we even talking about this week while you guys are here at Hume. And so in the opener, you saw it, right? We started modern day, 
In the very beginning, our friend Justin comes out and he starts the spoken word and he begins setting the stage for where we find ourselves in this current generation. And then that first song plays and you hear words like even my sweet friend Nicole, which I'm gonna just say this, this feels good to say, on accident, I was driving a golf cart too fast. We're all human, okay, on Tuesday. She fell out. She's okay, but she's amazing. So give it up for Nicole, who danced her little heart out in this opener. She like literally today, she was like, I think I can do it. I was like, do you need more Advil? So all that said, right, my sweet friend Nicole comes out, and you kind of see her in this song and dance, and she's holding this thing, and she's saying, me, myself, and my truth, is this the only way to make it by? Is the only way for us to make it by by defining our own versions of truth and just going along with whatever it is that society and culture tells us in this present generation? Right, you heard words like this little hip hop group was like singing in a happy, fun way, but singing like, man, what they believe, they being this song, is that the Bible, man, they said words like ancient, dated, contrived, and I feel like for many of us, some of us in this room, we may have that opinion about the word of God. We may even be asking ourselves, is this thing even relevant? It's so outdated, it's so old, what's the big deal with listening to what the Bible has to say in order to inform my worldview, I think that there's a lot of us sitting in this chapel that feel that way, right? And so the very beginning, the opener starts this way, and then Justin comes back out, and he's like, all right, so here we are. Here we find ourselves in this present generation where everyone is seeking their own autonomy. Everyone is trying to be their own God. Everyone is trying to be in charge of their own lives and define whatever version of truth they want to define based on their feelings, their emotions, where society is going, where culture is going, rather than going to what this book says. Right, and then we press rewind, and I don't know if you guys have seen Hamilton, but this was not inspired by that at all, okay? Back off, that has nothing to do with Hamilton. Right, we press rewind and we go all the way back to the very beginning of scripture, why? Because in the very beginning, in Genesis chapter three, which I'm gonna read to you guys, the very first question ever asked in the Bible is an attack on truth, and it comes from the serpent, and he asks it, to, asks it to Eve. So let's look at this. You guys watched it play out. It says in Genesis chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say? And there's something about that word, right? You're like, I know for sure I'm doing the right thing and that this thing is true. And someone's like, is it actually? And you're like, uh-huh. Why all of a sudden am I doubting myself based on that one silly word? So the serpent says to Eve, you saw it right here. Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So there it is. That very first question in the Bible, this attack on truth, what God has so plainly said and established 10 verses prior in chapter two, he says, hey, you can eat of any tree of in the garden except for this one. That's the one rule, right? 10 verses later, a serpent comes on the scene. He's like, but did he actually say that? It is attacking what God has said and established so clearly with Adam and Eve. And in verse two, it says, and the woman says to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. 
It's not talking about a physical death right here, right? It's not talking about the fact that Eve's gonna eat this fruit and then it's like, boom, I dropped dead. No, what we're talking about is a spiritual separation from God and man because prior to this, it says that God walks in the cool of the garden with his creation, right? And so he's not talking about a physical death. If you eat this fruit, are you really just gonna drop dead? No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the sin separation that you and I now live in, feeling that separation from God that we cannot make ourselves right before him apart from Jesus Christ. And in verse four, it says, but the serpent says to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil, right? So now the serpent's like, but let's talk about this, right? And he's manipulating these things and he's saying, but what if you became like God? What if you knew the difference of good and evil? What if you were able to determine these things? Verse six, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And so simply put, friends, this very same thing happens today. Eve chose what was right in the sight of her own eyes. She thought that she could determine what was good and what was evil rather than trusting what God had already said and established. And you and I find ourselves in this culture today where that's the same thing that we do that over and over again, that time and time again, rather than trusting what God has said and established in his word, we choose what's right in the sight of our own eyes. We think that we can determine what's actually true apart from God's word. And how do we do that? So often it's determined by feelings. So often it's determined by what we think is an injustice. And we don't like that feeling. So God, how do we fix this? Well, if it's not this, if it's not what you say, then I'm gonna fix it in the way that I think is right. Rather than submitting ourselves to the word of God, to the sovereign rule of the king of the universe and saying, God, I am going to go to your word whether I like what it says or not to determine truth. Because if it all goes away, we saw it at the very end. If we take out God and go, fine, here we are. We are all own, we're all up to our own devices. You determine your truth. You determine your truth. If we do that, we are left in chaos. How do I know this? Because what's happening right now? What's happening in our world today? We have taken God out of the equation and gone, you know what, God, we got it. We know better. I can determine this truth. I can determine morality. I can determine what's right. And it all goes away. Truth goes away if you take out God. There is no absolute truth if God is not who he says he is. And so we live in this world where we hear phrases like my truth, your truth, you do what's true for you, you live your truth. We never wanna offend anyone, right? So instead of actually having a conversation and going, man, but can I help you understand why I believe the things of the Bible? We just go, oh, that's good, that's your truth. And that's totally good for you because this is my truth, right? We avoid the conversation because we're afraid of conflict. We're afraid of what people will think. We're afraid of what God's word says because it's offensive, right? It is. And yet in all grace and in all love, God's love is extended to everyone. 
And yet we need to submit ourselves to the will of the Father. And so in this world that we live in of relative truth, meaning truth can be true for one person and not the next, right? I can hold my truth, you can hold your truth, then you can have a different one, you can have a different one, that's fine. We live in this world where this kind of truth reigns. And yet when you go to the word of God, Jesus says in John 14, 6, Jesus' words, so I'm quoting him, not me saying this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through me. He doesn't say that I'm a way. He doesn't say that I'm a truth or a life. No, 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 he says, I am the only way. And so simply he's going, if it's not me, if I didn't say it, if I didn't do it, it's not true. So what do we do now? especially for the Christian in the room that we find ourselves living in this world where relative truth reigns and is more and more popular and complicated and, and everyone's doing it. And yet God's word says, no, 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 I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus, he says in John 8, he says that the truth will set you free. The truth of Jesus Christ will set you free. I think for many of you guys there's an idea that if we can just define our own versions of truth, if we can just decide how we want to live, then that's true freedom, right? It's independence. I can do what I want. No one's here to tell me what not to do. And you know how much pain that causes yourself? I know you do because you experience it, you feel it. You know how much pain that causes those around us? Rather than going, God, what do you say about these topics? God, what do you say about these things in our culture? We're so afraid we're so afraid of communicating those things. And so for all of us in this room, all of us, whether you're a Christ follower or not, we all sit under the sovereign rule and reign of the God of the universe. All of us. For the Christ follower, we acknowledge that and we know that and we say, God, I'm gonna follow you with everything because you have given me everything. Because you have sacrificed your son, Lord, I will follow you. And for those of you who do not know God, can I tell you something? God is still sovereign. He is still in control. And he still is already the savior of your life. He is the king of your life, whether you bow to him or not. In Psalm 47, it says, um, 47, 7 through 8, it says, for, the, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. He is seated on his holy throne. Meaning that God just isn't a passive king who sits on a throne and sits there and watches his people do his thing. No, he reigns. He is actively engaged with his creation. He is actively engaged in our lives and he created it all and therefore he gets to determine how it all works. Turn your Bibles over to John. It's about three quarters of the way through. It is in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I still have to say that, and I'm almost an old woman, so don't ever let anyone tell you that <laughs> you can't say those things to find John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, three quarters of the way through. This week, we're talking about truth. Obviously, we've talked about it, truth be told. I just started explaining this to you. And we actually developed this theme. When I say we, I mean me and a team of my friends who work here at Hume, other camp directors over in Meadow Ranch, Wagon Train, Wildwood, SoCal, New England. We came together in, sorry, in 2020, in the fall of 2020, and we were like, man, what, where do we go next? Last year, <laughs> last year was Jaira and the Lord of Copperhead, and we did a theme on the character of God, and sadly for many of you, camp was canceled, don't hate me. I'm sorry, and it wasn't my decision. So, but I did have COVID, and trust me, it was not fun. So, 
That was our theme last summer. And so after, it was like, man, where do we go? What do we do? Like, the characteristics of God, this is so intense and so needed. And every year, I feel like as we decide a theme, we go, oh, this theme is more important than anything else we've ever done. No, this theme's more important. And in 2020, we developed this theme, this theme on truth. We know we were going to go through the book of John. And we felt in that moment that that was the most timely theme that the Lord could have ushered into Hume Lake. And then here we are, two years later, actually getting to communicate this theme to you guys. And I stand here today and I go, I feel like it's more timely than even two years ago. And that's not because Hume Lake's awesome, that's because God's word is awesome. Like God's word, no matter if it's 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, we could do the same theme over and over and over and over again because, and it would always be relevant because God's word matters every single day of our lives. And so here we are in John 18. This is our theme verse for the summer. What I want to point out to you guys is that this theme on truth, this quest for all of us to understand what is true is not a new question, right? We see this in Genesis 3, but at the very, very beginning, we see truth being attacked at the very first question in the Bible. And then here in John 18, now, this is almost the end of the book of John. Your speaker gets to go through everything up to this point. But just to give you a little highlight reel, this is at the end of Jesus' ministry, right before he is about to be crucified and then raised from the dead. So he's been arrested, and he finds himself before Pilate. And it says this, so Pilate entered, oh, sorry, 1833. <clears throat> so Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answers, do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? In other words, Jesus is going, Pilate, do you think that yourself, or did someone else say this, and now you're asking me, right? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Pilate's not a Jew. He's Roman. He could care less what Jew, Jewish, what Jesus does in, um, up against like the uh, Jewish rulers and the Jewish religion. He could care less. He's like, my man, that's Jewish. I'm a Roman. Doesn't matter. He says, am I a Jew? Doesn't matter to me. Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. Your own people, right? Your own people have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Pilate says. And if you look and you consider the life of Jesus in a real quick highlight reel, what has Jesus done? Well, he heals people. He makes lame men walk. He makes blind men see, right? He saves people. He claims that he's God. I don't know if you guys know this. Over and over and over and over again in the New Testament, Jesus claims to be God. He says, I come in the authority of the Father. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. I and the Father are one. And that's what pisses off the Jewish people, many of them. Because he is not the Messiah that they thought they were waiting for. He doesn't come and meet any of their expectations of who he thought that they would be. He does everything upside down and backwards. And they're like, you're not the guy. You possibly cannot be the guy. So Pilate says, what the heck have you done? And Jesus answers, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate says to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I've come into the world. For what purpose? Right here. To bear witness to the truth. 
Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate says to him, what is truth? Right? Pilate and Jesus have very, very different ideas about what truth is. But Jesus says right here, what, what's this purpose? To bear witness to the truth and that everyone who listens to his voice is of the truth. And so this week, this is what we are going to be talking about. And this is the same question that many of us are asking. This question that Pilate says to Jesus is something that I, I mean, I would guess that the majority of this room has at one point asked himself, what's truth? Right? Even on just like a broad picture, in the last two years, if there is anything that we have learned, right, we're just going, would someone please tell me what's actually going on? What is even true? Pilate asks this straight to Jesus' faith, he's going, what's even true? And that's the same question that we are going to ask and answer while you guys are here at camp this week. I said it earlier in John 14, 6, Jesus claims that he and truth are the same. He says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so all of these things are really, really, really important that you and I would lean into and be willing to receive and listen. Because if this is all true, if the Bible's true, if Jesus is who he says he is, if God is truly the king of the universe, if God created it all, if that's all accurate, you realize that has a massive implication for you and I. Right? Like if God is the God of the universe, if he created it all, he sustains it all, he gets to determine how it all works, and then his son comes in the full authority of the father and does everything that he says he does, comes and lives a life that you and I could never live, dies the death that we deserve, and then leaves us the word of God, not just a book, but the words of the living God, then don't you think we ought to listen to it? then don't you think we would be wise to incline our ear to hear what God has to say? And this week, I think that many of you will find yourself at one time or another potentially feeling like, man, this is a lot to handle. <laughs> I don't know if I like hearing this. I actually don't even know if I agree with you, and I kind of feel like I'm on the defense right now because truth is really important. And Jesus, like he says it, it's he's the only way, right? He's the only way to God the Father. He's the only way that we would spend an eternity with him. And so I think something that's really important for me that you guys would hear this come across loud and clear is that when we decided to do this theme, it was not chosen because we wanted to point our fingers and say, ha, 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 we're right and you're wrong. How stupid that you believe X, Y, or Z thing. That's dumb, no, that's not the intention. And if that's what you are experiencing, then man, we've missed it. So I want to cover this week for all of us is found in 1 Corinthians 13. So keep turning over. A couple more books. <clears throat> it talks about love. And it talks about what love is and how love should look. And this is another thing that I would say our culture has hijacked. And then our definition of love as a society for those who do not know Jesus Christ is that it's just acceptance. If you love someone, you accept everything. You tolerate everything. You agree with everything. You don't ever have conflict. And yet when you go to the biblical definition of love, 
You don't actually get that picture. You see that in grace and in love, you are to communicate the truth of God's word boldly. So listen to this in 1 Corinthians 13.1. And I want you guys to remember this this week if you're ever feeling on guard and on edge and mad. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. In verse 4, it says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Friend, this week, I can guarantee you that we are going to boldly proclaim the truth of the gospel We are boldly going to proclaim the things found in God's word that are going to create tension with this worldview that some of you have created about who you think Jesus is, about the way you think you can live your life, about the things that you believe is just a cultural norm. And that's going to come head to head. And you may go, man, I, ah, they're being mean. Man, can I promise you something? We're not being mean. But I'm also, we love you too much to just let you keep believing the things that the world has thrown at you as truth. And so right here, this, if I were to summarize it, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, right? We're not going to rejoice in the fact that we all have our own versions of truth and that we're just going to let you walk out these doors and let you get on a bus and drive back down the mountain on Saturday and just keep going about your life. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but love rejoices with the truth. And so in all boldness, in all honesty, in all kindness, in all love, and in all grace, we are going to boldly proclaim the word of God this week. Your speaker this week, his name is Nick Eli. He's awesome. He's flying in from Arizona, landed probably an hour and a half ago. Lord, please get him here because I can't do this. The rest of the week, this is how the week is going to look. For those of you who have been with us before, you're looking at the set and you're like, hmm. Where's the pirate ship? Where's the western town? When are the people coming down from the ceilings? They're not. Okay, they're not. And here's why. Because this topic, this theme on truth is so critically important that you guys get. And the heart and the desire is that there would be no potential distractions that would pull your guys' eye or your ears away from what's being communicated from the word of God. So the set is simple. It is. And that's why. It's intentional. The film, we have a film. Don't worry. You're like, did you get rid of everything? No. We have a film. It's just done differently. It's done through six different spoken word pieces, and it's pretty topical to carry us through the book of John. So tomorrow morning is the first night you're going to hear from Nick. (laughs) Am I okay? No. Tomorrow morning is the first morning. My friends, you caught that. You're going to hear from Nick. And he's going to be talking about the truth of God. Right? We are going to establish that God is creator. That he created all things. That he sustains all things. And that is who he is. And then tomorrow night, we're going to be talking about the truth of the scriptures. 
Because when you go to the book of John, and you'll see it here, in the first 18 verses, they talk about this coming Messiah, and then Jesus shows up on the scene later, right? But I think for many of you, you're like, okay, but here's the deal. I don't even believe the things that Jesus did, so why are you going to tell me what he did from this book? We're going to start with God as a supreme authority who created all, sustained it all, and then we're going to move into the truth of Scripture and look at, man, these are God's words. They are trustworthy. They are reliable. They're relevant. So let's read it. Let's go to the word of God, and then we will move into Jesus' life. Then we will look out on whatever night that is. It doesn't matter anymore. Jesus' life and teaching. What the heck did Jesus even do when he was here on earth? What did he even claim? Right? Like, why do they want to kill him? Why is it such a big deal that Jesus died? For some of us, and that's okay that you're asking those questions. And then we're going to talk about, since we've just then talked about his life and teaching, the things that he claims, we're going to look at the truth of sin. The reality of our sin nature, which is just a big word, small word, three-letter word, packed word, that means that we are separated from the God of the universe because we were born into darkness. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. None, not one of us is righteous in and of ourself. And we're going to talk about that which is probably going to be the time where you're like, I don't like feeling this way. <laughs> but we have to understand in order, we have to understand our sin, in order to understand the great love and grace and mercy that Jesus extends to us. And so after we talk about sin, we're going to talk about the gospel, that Jesus came. We're going to look at the actual events leading up to Jesus' death. We're going to talk about this, that he came, he was crucified, and then he was raised again from the dead. He, I said it earlier, lived a life, a perfectly sinless life that you and I could never live, died the death that we deserved. Why? So that for all of us who trust in him, for all of us who place our faith in Jesus Christ, believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. And now we are in right standing before a holy God when there was sin and brokenness ushered in in Genesis 3, but we can't do that on our own. We could not do enough good things. We could not do enough good deeds, love enough people, be nice enough to enough people in order to save ourselves. We do not have that ability in our own, and we need to surrender our lives to Jesus Christ in order to be saved and made right before a holy God. And then finally, on whatever night that is, Friday night, we're going to talk about, so then what does this mean? If all of this is true, then what's true for the life of the believer? How then shall I live? When I head down this mountain on Saturday in six days, what does my life look like? How am I supposed to proclaim God to a world that so desperately needs it? How am I supposed to be a light that is so increasingly hostile to the gospel? How do we do that? And so that's how we've broken up the whole week Every single one of those messages will be coupled with a video that is just meant to address the common misconceptions that many of us have with those specific topics that we're teaching about. And I assure you that it's going to be an awesome week, and I just, I need one thing from you guys. Some of you, you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, I've been a Christian my whole life. This is awesome. Woo, God. <laughs> right? I'm stoked you're here. Others of you, you're like, I don't think I realized that this was a Christian camp until this very moment. I've been hoodwinked, right? And get me out. I'm walking home, even if it's 12 hours. No, you're not. You're here. But for wherever you guys are at in your relationship with the Lord, 
or even just your understanding of the Lord. Maybe you're like, no, okay, I, I think that there's a God and I'm open to it. Wherever you guys are at, would we all just be open and willing to receive what God has for us this week? Because I believe wholeheartedly that he has something for each and every one of you this week. And we know that when God's word is taught, it does not return void. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to close out this time. And then after that, the ladies, you guys will stay here. If you're in the balcony, come downstairs. Guys, you'll go over to Memorial, and then it'll be free time. Let me pray for us so we can kick off an epic week of camp. Lord God, I am comforted, Lord, that when I don't know what to pray, Lord, that the Spirit does. God, I pray for every single person in this room, Lord. I pray and I ask that you would do a mighty work in all of our lives. God, whether we've been walking with you for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, God, or whether we don't even know you yet, Lord. Father, as your word is taught, God, would we learn more about who you are, God, your character? Would we fall more in love with you? God, I pray and I ask that on Saturday, God, that we would love you more than we do even right now than we're sitting in this chapel. God, I pray that this week of camp, all that it is meant to be is to be a catalyst for what my friends get to go home to, God, and that it, it creates energy, God, and passion and excitement, Lord, about who you are. And God, I pray that that does not dwindle when we go down the hill. Lord, I pray that we do not just come to camp every year to be reminded of who you are, God, but that, Lord, we come to learn more about who you are, and God, our lives are actually changed. God, that we love you more and that we would stay the course, God, that we would run the race set before us with endurance. And so, God, my friends who are in this space, God, that are far from you and that do not know you, Lord, I pray that they would know they are loved. God, I pray that they would know that their counselors and their youth pastors are here. God, their friends are here because they are so deeply cared for. And God, the same for my friends who do know you. And so, God, I just, I am so excited for this week and I am expectant for what it is that you have in store. God, would you be with us? Would you guide our conversation, Lord? Would you give us all wisdom and discernment as we talk about the things of the Bible, guys, we talk about the things of who you are. God, would you help us to navigate that, Lord? I never want to go to your word flippantly. And so, God, would you help us to remember that when we pray, God, we're coming before a holy, holy, holy God. Or that when we open your word, we're hearing the words of a holy, holy, holy God. Father, would you be with us this week? Could you be with us tonight, guide our conversations, our cabin times, our chapels, every little thing, Lord. Lord, we love you and we praise things in your name. Amen.